It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the money. That's what I always say. You always follow yeah, the money. Yeah, yeah. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on VSIN. March Madness might be winding down, but doesn't mean there is still isn't plenty going on. Opening day right around the corner. We have you covered with our betting guide, power rankings, best bets. Adam Burke did a great job. He's in studio in half hour. We have the Masters next week. We'll have a Masters betting guide. Two weeks left in the regular season of the NBA. Then the playoffs, obviously, playing around, which will be a gas. And only three weeks left in the hockey season. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today, only $19. Get everything we do for $19, VEASAN.com slash subscribe. In the previous hour, I told you a prop that's available this year at William Hill. It's uh, will a player have 200-plus hits this season? The yes is even money. The no is minus 120. The yes is 43 and 7 since 1970. 43 and 7. And uh, the last three out of the last four years and the last two in a row, it stayed under. And uh, good tweets here from Doug and Marshall. They're basically pointing out don't take the under this year. That recent trend is going to go bye bye. The shift's gone. Yeah. Yeah. So more hits are going to be available. Yep. Uh huh. For sure. It's a great point. Good call. So I'm not going to bet it, but if I had to, I would absolutely bet even money on the. uh, Yes, to get 200 hits this season. Mm-hmm. I would bet that. Did you Have you seen a prop on stolen bases yet? For most? Not player, uh, number. Yes, you brought this up a while back. Because this Somebody is, sent it to me. It was 50 and a half, I believe. You got to go, yeah. Got to pound the over. Because if you saw what happened in the minor leagues, stolen bases went up 30% with the new rule where you can only throw over twice mm-hmm. per, per uh, plate appearance. Right. And that's, you know, you're pot committed. You throw over there once, and it's like, what the hell do I do now? I don't know why, go in my pants or wind my watch. Right. But that is, but again. You would people, like that one a lot, huh? You, mm-hmm. you can't, God forbid we get that back into play. We need the stolen base back in baseball. I would agree with that. Got to have it. I was a big fan of that when it was uh, so prominent for so many years. Uh, we talked a lot about the San Diego State Creighton game to begin the show today, and the call that was made at the end of the game. You don't really have a problem with it. I mean, he's on his hip. And I, I understand it decides the game. I, I actually I'll take the easy way out. I see both sides. Everyone was, uh, a lot of people were furious. Other people said, you got to call that. It's one way to or the you, other. There's no your, sitting but, on the fence for but, this. But, it's, you're right. You either hated it or you thought it was a good call. But the pro, okay, the problem that people have, and I, you too, is they let everything go and, and they let him play. And then with one second left, you decide the game with the call. Travel makes the free throw, and that's it. Yeah, I couldn't stand it. I'd okay. rather well, you hated a lot of things, though. I'd, you mentioned I'd, the hook and the flagrant foul, too. With uh, Mensa initiated. He's the one who started yeah. the hook. Should be on him. Yeah. But that was a bad call. Yeah. Um, this is from Andy. Email ftmadvsin.com. He was okay with the call. When a player's in the air, he's extremely vulnerable. Any contact could result in him falling and suffering an injury. My approach is hands-off when a player's in the air. They let the two teams beat the daylights out of each other for pretty much the entire game. And this goes to um, Seth on email says that he coaches high school basketball. 
He's not trying to compare the two, but there are so many times when the defense gets a major advantage in the last few seconds because the ref refuses to make the call. If it's a uh-huh. foul in the first half, it's a foul in the second half. I would agree, Seth, but that was not a foul in the first half. Yes. That's my biggest problem. There's not enough there. I mean, he's on his hip, but there's it's not it's not enough. I think to decide the game. Right. I'd rather they're showing it right so now. So again, too. I'm not. Here's yeah. a part. I, I I want to have the players decide the game on the court in overtime. I don't want to have the referee call that. Yeah. I just don't. When again, they let a lot of stuff go the entire game. Yes. And then at the final seconds, I'm gonna I'm gonna decide what's gonna happen here. This is from Frank e- uh, email. He officiates at the high school level. And are always taught the consistency factor. So if you give me just that play and nothing else, yes, it's a foul. But when you factor in consistency and what was and wasn't called the previous 39 minutes, would have had no issue with a no call. And uh, Frank came out from Maryland a couple weeks ago. It was great to meet you when he came out, Frank. Mm -hmm. Saying hello again this morning. That's like a home plate umpire. As long as you're consistent, okay. That's all I'm asking for. And you call it it that way for both teams. Yeah. Sure. This is Greg McDermott, head coach of Creighton. He was asked about how the game ended after it was over. Two teams played their tails off. Officiating's part of the game, um, and uh, we're not going to go there. Uh, we lost the game because we didn't do enough. Well, to the the two for what was he it? wants to go there. He's not going to go. Well, there. I'll get into that in a second. The two of seventeen from three, though. I mean, that's the other thing. Well, that's I'm not saying but that. The, that's, yeah, sure, you got to sure. shoot better. Sure, right? No, no, but don't but, blow the lead. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But why can't he go there? This is another thing I have a problem with. Why can't we say anything? I hate it. Paul. Like if I did, you just see the debacle in the Clipper game. The Clippers are playing the Thunder last week. To that point, it was the biggest game of the season for both teams. Early in the second quarter, Kawhi Leonard thinks he has an and one. It's a he, that guy hits him on the arm. It's blatant, and, he, and Kawhi goes, "Come on, it's an and one." He tees him up. Okay, and then Man complains. He kicks him out of the game. Yeah, yeah. And goes back to back to back technicals. There's, these guys are going to be held accountable, and you just, you can't say anything or criticize them without getting fined. Of course. Afterwards, these guys that sometimes do a terrible job. Again, I recently in, in, I, in the I, NBA is is, is a, at the worst. I've had a problem. I said this on the air recently. I ha- I've had a problem since I was in middle school when Barkley would get fined. I'm like, I didn't understand it. Freedom of speech. What happened to that? Then you need make the guys talk. And if they say something you that's bad, and the it's officials, like the Van Vliet, I'll take the fine. Sure, this guy has it in for me. He's killing me. We know Foster and CP3 have a history. They find they actually remember that debacle. The Lakers uh, uh, beat the Suns. It was a forty-six to six. It was ridiculous. A forty-six to twenty free throw disparity. Monty Williams comes out, coach of the Suns, and says. I can't believe that 46 to 20 can't happen. They said we were shooting jumpers. I disagree. I can't believe we were out. We, they went to the line 26 more times than we did, and he walked off. And they still find him. Yep. They still find him. Mm-hmm. They didn't even take a question. And, and the referees are the authority figure. What they say, they're the police, right? They're, what they say goes. Yeah. yeah. And yet there's no accountability. So when they do something like this, you never have to hear from them. Yep. Like there's one person, there's a pool reporter, pool and that's reporter. it. Right. There's, they never have to face the music. There's also this. And a very good tweet from uh, Tim Murray, who's a host here on the network, pointed out UConn's dominant so far. Yep. On the floor and against the number. They're 4-0 ATS, and they're covering on average by 17.75 points per game. Look at this. 9.5 against Iona, they won by 24. Lane 4 against St. Mary's, they won by 15. Over the weekend, they were laying a combined 6 points to Arkansas and Gonzaga, and they won by 51 points. So when you go back and look, as I said earlier today in the show, like the word regression is always thrown around in sports. A lot of times during March Madness, while this can't continue, I'm here to tell you, yeah, it can. Um, the teams since like 1990 that have won uh, uh, all of their games by huge, huge margins. Kentucky in 1996, the biggest margin ever by a team to win, 129 points overall. Their closest two games, seven points in the Final Four, nine points in the national title game. Villanova in 2016, they got by Kansas by five in the Elite Eight, and they beat uh, North Carolina with that buzzer beater in the national title game. They won in the Final Four by 44 points. And that was after they won by 30, yep. 19, and 23. It, they, yep. the, the 2009 North Carolina team, they won by 43, 14, 21, 12, 14, and 17. 
1990 UNLV had one close game. It was a two-point win against Ball State. Not that long ago. 2018 Villanova. They won by 26-23-12-12. And in the final four, they beat Kansas by 16. And in the title game, they beat Michigan by 17. Neither one of those games were ever a contest. They were both over with early. Your thoughts overall, now that we're down to four. It was really a unique and historic tournament. You know, we couldn't get a one seed to the Elite Eight. I like it. I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of this Final Four. Okay, your, your biggest seed is UConn at a four seed yeah. to make it. That, that's You have a nine seed to make it. That's only happened nine times. Uh, I thought Jeff Goodman was great on this network. He called the UConn blowout over Gonzaga. But also you, the, the basketballs were a story too and all the unders and how the players are getting destroyed by the books. But he said he went out there and he said it's absolutely real. He called it Inflategate. There's too much air in the ball. He said it was like a Super Bowl, trying to dribble it. And then how it's slick. And you know, certainly this, the issues from the three-point line were a story through the first four days. Well, that hasn't between, mattered at all. By the way, UConn's really? opponent hasn't mattered for Miami. No, that's true. That's true, right? Uh, that, that was wild, how they come back and they only hit two threes. Then you have Miller yesterday. Joins Leitner 100%. Yep. Made every shot yep. in 20, the game. 27 points. That's right. So uh, we, we've seen it all here, with the exception of a buzzer beater in this tournament, and some people say, I don't like it, too many upsets, and and I know, mm. uh, I, and I, I don't want to go. Too many. People could say that, yeah, sure. And you don't have the big boy, and you don't have a, a, a one seat even to go well, Who's the, the big eight. boy, though? Oh, Who is the big sure. boy yeah. in 2023? I don't think it exists anymore. Again, what you said last week, yeah. eyeball test, you put on any game in the tournament That's for, right. for the most part. That's why this ACC guy's a clown. What do you, oh, mean? The, what do you yeah. mean, I test? I test. What, by what? What? Well, yeah, what, what Florida you, Atlantic's 35-3. and three. What eye test? Yep. I mean, the so many of these games. The, I think the perfect example would be the Princeton game. Princeton, Missouri. Who's the 15? Who's the 15 and who's kids catching seven? If you, if you take off a blindfold for the first time in a long time and put that game on TV when it's eight minutes in, you're like, well, clearly Missouri is the uh, 15 seed here. Nope, wrong. Try again. Yeah. They're so close. Miami might win this whole thing. Drake had them buried and dead to rights. That could happen. Drake had him beat. That's it's over. That's why, again, I'm not going to bet UConn in this game. I think the numbers are a touch high, in my uh-huh. opinion. And, yeah. and as, as good as they've been, as I just pointed out, think about that since the, since the game against Drake. What they did to Indiana. What they did to Houston and then the comeback against Texas yesterday. I mean, to be down by 13 points with 13 minutes to play. You are almost dead and buried. And they came all the way back and never hit a three in the entire second half to win that game. That's in 20... Come on. Yeah. When does that happen? Yeah, no doubt. All right, so we'll recap the weekend from a betting perspective here, how it was for us with uh, in-pocket plays and what we're adding today. Coming up here on Follow the Money, it's VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people. In an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. 
someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. to determine the winner of any given college basketball game. Someone gives you 10,000 to 1 on anything. You take it. Take it. Take it. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you 3 to 1 odds. Nope. 5 to 1. Nope. 10 to 1. You're right. All right. Here we go. In pocket, baby. Easy winner with UConn. No problem against Gonzaga. That was ice cream, and that thing was over early. And if you thought there could be another Gonzaga comeback like the UCLA game, once Timmy got his fourth foul, that was all she wrote. I agreed with Van Gundy, who is excellent, by the way. Um, yelling at Harlan for doing the Wendy's read. He goes, you can't do that. I get hungry. I've been here for two. That's what he said. But once he got his fourth foul, that was it. And um, you might as well keep him in there because once he goes to the bench, they're going to get run out. Another winner. He took, took, took him out for way too long. Yeah, that too. I know. Under one and a half one seeds to make the final four. Now you can't even get one to the Elite Eight. The new plays. San Diego State laying one and a half against the Owls. Love Florida Atlantic story. But again, I, as I mentioned at the top of the show, this three-point defense is ridiculous. The Aztecs held Creighton to 2 of 17, Alabama 3 of 27, Furman 6 of 26, and Charleston 5 of 24 from three. And then the turnovers could haunt the Owls as well. UAB lane 2.5 tomorrow. It begs the question, what's UAB's power rating? They were favored in the conference title game against Florida Atlantic. I'll take them against yeah. Utah Valley, and Matson's done a great job, uh, and that's a fun program. But I'll take UAB tomorrow out here in the second semis of the NIT, and how do you go against Conference USA right now? Uh, I recommend this. We, you can, we can't bet at DraftKings, but I, this caught my eye. The Atlanta Hawks to make the playoffs, even money. Yes. Yes. Do you want the good news or the bad news? Bad. I'm a 14-point dog tonight with the Maryland women. Good news is I'm in the Elite Eight. With the 40 to 1 ticket. I mean, I can't. They, I, I don't under, The committee robbed us here this future. Yeah, of course. Absolutely robbed us. I was a top five. Highway robbery. Point. I was a top five team. You got a two seed. I beat Iowa by 30, though. And I, and I wind up with South Carolina in my region. So why don't you play South Carolina money line? <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, my guy, Scotty Tribuco, goes, I make the line five and a half. I go, Scotty. <laughs> Scotty, four, 14 and a half, 14, well, he, he my better, friend. He better love taking the 14 tonight, yeah, then. Right, I, I kind of like it. They didn't cover against UCLA. And also under one and a half buzzer beaters for the tournament. There's only three games left. Oh, we get, we get okay. one. Not going to happen. There you go. I'm looking right now at Florida Atlantic. I'll get to my plays in a second. They shoot the three ball. They take the 35th most attempts in the country. Yeah, yeah. They shoot at 36.5%. That is uh, 44th in the country. The way it's going for a team that shoots that many threes, just look again at how these teams are doing against San Diego State's defense. Yeah. And we we said that on Friday. What's going to happen is Bam is going to struggle early, and they're never going to change their philosophy in the game, and they're going to keep chucking threes. And then they got that big lead, and it just they gave it right back. All right. I was shocked, Alabama. Not that they lost, how they lost. Because after that bad first half, and Miller can't, they're up nine with ten minutes. I know. And they lose the game. Yep. By seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. UConn, biggest bet of the tournament over Gonzaga over the weekend. Uh, that was a good one. 
That was that was probably what two, three, four minutes into the second half. Rocking chair then, because it was seven at halftime. But Gonzaga kept it close, and then right away in the second well, half. I'll, I'll say one thing too. I know there was a lot of UConn money, but if you saw the tweets from everyone who covers this, that the K State Florida, you couldn't get a bet on Florida Atlantic. They couldn't take anything on Florida Atlantic. I took, I took plus two. Yeah, I mean it was just, but the number wouldn't. That was a great thing. Number yeah. wasn't moving. Yeah. It was just an avalanche. I saw ninety percent of the bets at one spot were on Kansas State. Oh, wow! You want to talk about based on what you saw last? That would have been it. Because that offensive performance and uh, how Noel was against Michigan State, and uh, adding one play today. I haven't bet San Diego State yet, uh, but I am betting the first half under sixty and a half. Did that. I bet that during the break. Under 60 and a half. Again, based on a lot of what I just said, I think we're going to see some early offensive struggles in this game. The dome factor could play into it as well. But San Diego State will dictate. They can dictate on almost anybody who they play against what's going to happen. And I expect this to be low scoring out of the gates. So give me that uh, under Very first good. half 60 and a half. In pocket, presented by Bet Rivers, your hometown book. Check out their daily specials posted after noon Eastern. Great house specials, great menu at Bet Rivers. Dot com. Congratulations to the better who in December put $500 at the Westgate down the street on Florida Atlantic to make the final four at 400 to one. What a price. So, you know, there's two things here about, you know, is it, is it a VCU? Is it a George Mason? Well, no, because they were, they were ranked and uh, they won 20 games in a row yeah. from that standpoint. No, but you go back and like the Greg Peterson tweet, they started D one basketball in 1993. They'd only made the tournament once. They were a 15 seed. And then here they are in the final four with a chance to win the whole damn thing and oh, to beat Charlie M. No prenup. Bad move by Charlie. Uh, but trust fund kid. Jesus. But he's got all these tickets on Florida Atlantic and he already cashed Elite Eight. He already cashed Final Four and he's got him to win the whole damn thing and he's only a one and a half point dog. I mean, usually when you make this though, with a and it's this is a this never happened. A team has never won at all with a, this well, type usually of price. It's, it's Maryland three, versus South Carolina. That, yeah, right. Side. At some point, you're going to be a huge dog in yeah. these games, and it, and it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. This is a good tweet from uh, Trip. Look at the three conference USA teams still playing: Florida Atlantic, 35 wins. Yep. North Texas, 29. UAB, yep. 28 wins. And his his point is, it should have been a two bid league. Oh, it's, every year it should be a multi bid yes. league. Because yep. they deliver and win games, and they get horrible seats. I don't disagree. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you have to do? And now, guess what? They're all moving, a lot of them, to the American Conference. So what becomes of this Conference USA now? It's a joke. Yep. This it's a stacked deck. It's a, it, as Alan Boston says, it's a rigged game. He's right. I asked the question last still, week. they still deliver, but yeah. bad seats. Oh, sorry. Like, what, what's the point of filling out brackets anymore, honestly? Yeah. Is it even fun? Because my point was, like, on Thursday of the early session of the first day of the tournament, everybody's like, oh, there goes my bracket. There's a huge upset. And you're like, okay, I didn't see that coming. This is from Jake on Twitter. Here's how wild the tournament has been. He's currently in first place in his bracket. And he sent some screen grabs here of a contest out of 90 entries. If Miami doesn't win it, then he wins the contest. He had one final four team correct and both of his national title teams have been eliminated. Well, that's going to be the story with almost every- yeah. people may have had UConn. Right. But no, nobody had Florida Atlantic really filling up. Some couple here, who there. The, who had the Aztecs? That's another one. Who had the Remember, Aztecs? Remember, it was a 5-12. Everyone liked Charleston or thought and Virginia. Well, they had Alabama. Right. They had Arizona. Yes. They had uh, uh, people were high on Creighton already. Yes. Yep. So they were up against it completely. And not a lot of people had Miami because that region also had Houston and Texas in it. And that team took care of both teams. So... It's just, it's, I don't know. I do one bracket and it's not even, what's the point? Yep. What's the point? I haven't even checked. I'm sure. But by the way, because it's not going, like who, who else is it going well? I'm, I think I'm in this bracket with like 115 people. I might be in fifth place. I have no idea. It's not like anybody's going to be like bragging about, hey, would you, can you believe this? I got three in the final four again this year. No, you didn't. Nobody did. It sounds like you're a little lukewarm on the games that we have. I think it'd be amazing if Florida Atlantic wins the whole thing. I mean, I, don't, I didn't think this would happen in my lifetime. That well, something like this would happen. W- w- They've been close 
Would but, you, but again, as I said, Butler, yeah. that would have been unbelievable. Is it, would you say it's the same thing as but Butler? That, although yeah. that that team that made but it against they had, Duke, they, they had were NBA. A five. Yeah, Hayward was on the team, and right. But the following year, they were an eight, uh, yes. and nobody had them going that far. Right, right. And that was one of the worst games of all time. Oh yes, it was against UConn. That would have been the t- the best moment if they win, and it happens on a half court shot. And then they just carry the trophy back to campus. Well, that would have been my favorite moment in all of sports. Yes. Ever. I have course, no, I'm not kidding. Peter, to win it all. Right. I, I still would love to see Gonzaga do it. I mean, how good oh, is that so story? Spokane, Washington. Yeah. Um, I really hope he wins thing, one before he calls it a career. Yeah. But the, as I said earlier, though, every time this has happened, the team has lost and they haven't made the title game. But, but from a seeding standpoint, when you're a nine or higher, they've gone out all eight times in the next game. And they haven't made the title. Yeah. I like them against K-State. Bet them plus the two. Yeah. I, I can't. I'm not going to be betting them against San Diego State. In fact, I'm, pr- I'm probably going to be on the Aztecs before the game starts. I, I kind of want to see. Maybe one and a half might be good enough right now. Maybe do a little money line on the Aztecs. That is. We talk about it all the time. And f- by the way, Florida Atlantic. Again, this is what makes them so special. How many times will like that a nine seed from a mid-major have a guy like that down low who can operate like he does. Right. That dude is ultra talented. He's something. He's something. Well, the other thing, this this might happen year in, year out, again, because the committee doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah. Memphis-Florida Atlantic was an 8-9 game. Let that sink in. Yeah. And, and Memphis, bad call went against them. They could have won. I would actually say poor Memphis because they could be here. Poor Memphis. They don't know what to do. They don't know what they're doing from a seating standpoint. It was a bad draw for both teams. Yeah. V-SIN's Adam Burke is going to join the show up next. He put together the beautiful V-SIN Pro Baseball Betting Guide. What really caught his eye when he was looking at all the numbers for this upcoming season? We'll ask him next. This is Follow the Money on V-SIN. Great house specials at Bet Rivers. How many teams will win 100 games? The leaders in the divisions in April. Best record, first to 30 wins, anything you want. Great menu at Bet Rivers and the squares. You can win up to 10000 in bonus money by playing their squares. Place a qualifying bet, get a bonus square. If your numbers on your square match the final score, you win. Restrictions on wagers, eligible bonus credit use. Full terms and conditions available. BetRiversSquares.com. Get up there. Opening day we have coming up on Thursday. This is always such a great time of the year with the madness, baseball starting, the Masters. You get uh, the playoffs in the NBA and the NHL. And Adam Burke is uh, kind enough to join us here bright and early on a Monday morning. And he did a spectacular job with the uh, VSIN MLB betting guide, man. Honestly, it was... uh, Tremendous job. All the numbers, the the words that you put together in every one of these teams, the analysis. I can't imagine how much time you put into this thing. So I'll ask you, like, did you when you were doing all of this on every single team, did anything like just completely jump off the page to you for one or two or three teams? You're like, oh, my God, that number is startling. That number, I can't believe anything like that. I will say, I think by and large, a lot of the win total numbers this year were pretty good. Okay, I think the books are kind of starting to incorporate some of the advanced metrics. And of course, there's a lot of projection systems out there as well. But there were a few teams that stood out to me. And and I think that's something that's really important to mention. We're going to talk about stats a little bit Mm -hmm. during this segment. But there's a stat called WRC plus weighted runs created plus you don't need to know how to calculate it just how to interpret it. 100 is league average. Anything below 100 means you're below average player. Anything above 100 means you're an above average player. One of the things that I like to look at, especially because I'm previewing the whole season, I like to look at how many average or better players a team has. Okay. Because I don't think people realize there are a lot of below average players in Major League Baseball. A lot of them. So if you go from a below average player to an average or better player, that's a huge upgrade. So I look for a lot of those and kind of look for them in the aggregate. The more average or better players you have, the more depth you have, the better your team's going to be. That's a huge part of my season win total handicapping. Okay. And then for, from the offseason additions then... Did it, which team that would fit that bill were like, okay, well, they made some really good moves here and they're going to be much better than a year ago. So one team I would say is actually the Chicago Cubs. And I was on their overseason win total last year, 74 and a half, didn't come through. I also had them 11 to one to win the division, didn't get there. But they were one of the better teams in baseball in the second half. And what they did this season was they took the best parts of their lineup, Nico Horner, Ian Happ, Patrick Wisdom, 
Christopher Morrell kept those guys around and signed a bunch of proven track record guys. Trey Mancini, Cody Bellinger. They got a big deal for Dansby Swanson. So basically what they did was they took the best parts of their lineup and then complemented those guys with league average or better hitters. And it didn't really show up in terms of the win total to me. They're only a three-win upgrade from last year. I think they're a much better team than that. So the Cubs were a team that really stood out to me because, again, they added depth throughout the lineup. They've improved the rotation. They've improved the bullpen. But they went from a lot of below-average hitters playing almost all the time to a lot of average or above guys. So that's what I look for, at least from a season-long standpoint. What if you can fix Bellinger? I mean, you got a former uh, MVP here now. Right, exactly. And, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, Bellinger's on a prove-it deal. You know, he's on oh, yeah. one of those one-year deals like, hey, can you bounce back? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the contract year thing is real. I've read studies about it. It's a very real thing. Uh-huh. For a guy like Bellinger, he's only 27 years old. Wow. You know, he goes to Wrigley Field where huh. if he hits a fly ball on a windy day, oh, yeah. it's going to wind yeah. up going 480 feet. It's a really good low-risk signing for a team just looking for roster upgrades. Okay, that's great. What about the flip side then? They maybe lost some players. They, you know, uh, surpassed their expectations from a year ago. And uh, this year coming in, you're like, wait a second here. That number's way too high, and I got to go under that. So this one pains me. Or do you just look at the (laughs) bad teams in baseball and say they can't win that many games? Well, I mean, that's true. A lot of the bad teams will probably be pretty bad. And something if you're looking at, you know, season win totals or in-season win totals, stuff like that, you've got to think long-term about what these teams will do at the trade. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like for the Phillies, for example – the fact that they didn't sign Aaron Nola to a contract extension before the season, the fact that talks fell apart, he's an impending free agent at the end of the year. If they're not in it, and now they lost Reese Hoskins, a 30-homer guy, Bryce Harper's out until the All-Star break, if they're not in it, why not trade Aaron Nola? Unless you really feel like you can sign him after the season to a long-term extension, and maybe they do, but they will have to make a decision probably between Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler, so we'll see which they decide. But that's a team where if they're... Nine or ten out in the division, six, seven out in the wild card, something like that at, at the trade deadline, they may move Aaron Nola. There's no way that they're going to go over 88 and a half if they move a guy oh, like that. Yeah. So that's something you want to look at as well. Teams that you know may be sellers at the trade deadline. But one team, I don't they didn't overachieve last year, and, and I like them on an annual basis. But at some point, I think the Tampa Bay Rays have to fall short of expectations. Yeah. Mm. They've had so mm. many injuries in the rotation. Shane McClanahan missed part of the second half last year. Virtually every single one of their pitching prospects has had Tommy John surgery. I just don't love this lineup. I don't think it's particularly good. I don't think it, it's going to benefit from the rule changes as much as other teams. And from their rotation, a lot of guys set new career highs in innings last year. And now they're going to try to stay healthy for a full year this year. I think it's just a big ask for a Tampa Bay team that's in a division where Baltimore's gotten better. Toronto is a World Series contender. New York, despite all their injuries, still a World Series contender. So I feel like Tampa Bay may fall off a little bit. I took under 88 and a half, and I've loved this team like five years in a row. So that kind of stood out to me as maybe being a big sign. How about the totals for the two New York teams? And you, all the injuries to the Yankees rotation, and you're sitting there in the 93 and a half uh, in that range. And then the, the movement on the Mets win total as a result of the Diaz injury. The movement on the Mets win total honestly makes me want to bet the over. Me too. I mean, I, I thought 95 and a half, 94 and a half in that range was a pretty good number. I thought it was fair. This is a team with a high ceiling. Clearly, they won 101 games last year, so they're plenty capable of going over. I mean, look, Edwin Diaz is an elite reliever. Don't get me wrong. But he was going to play in probably 65 of their 162 games. Sure, he's going to be out there when they have a lead, but there are other guys, I think, that can handle that ninth inning role. This is still a really, really good rotation. This is still a really, really good lineup in a division that's not particularly great. And the Marlins are under one of my favorite season win totals. So that's another team that, okay. you know, I don't expect much from in that division. I just talked about the Phillies. At this point, there's definitely an equity, I think, in, in taking the Mets over. Okay, I like that. And also, the Nationals, do uh, you think they're going to lose 100 games? I think they'll be very close. Okay. I, I know that, uh, Paul, was mentioning during the break, there's a prop about, you know, will a team lose 100 games? The Nationals have a great shot. The A's have an extremely good shot at doing it. I think it probably happens. I think the Nationals could very well be one of them, especially because like their young guys, their prospects, didn't really showcase much last year. Maybe they take a leap, but when you look at the Nationals, from a player development standpoint, they don't do very well. A lot of the guys they had in that 2019 run were free agents that they brought in or guys they had traded for that were just about Major League ready from other teams. If your player development staff is bad, and you're banking on prospects that you acquired, 
that's really not a great strategy. And I think the Nationals could really be affected this yeah. year. So you mentioned the Yankees still probably a World Series contender, but that would tell me then out of the gates here, not too concerned about the early season injuries here. Rodon, Severino, Montas. I mean, I'm I'm always concerned about Carlos Rodon. Have to be. I mean, you just have to be, especially because it feels like he's kind of on borrowed time anytime he's healthy. So that's definitely a concern there for sure. Severino, I mean, they've they've kind of learned to live without him, and and hopefully it's not too severe of an injury for him. Montas being out for the year is not great, but this is still an elite level bullpen. This is still a really really good lineup, and I think the starting rotation actually in its current state really isn't that bad. I mean, Nestor Cortez coming off of a breakout season for him. I still think he's really good. Mm-hmm. I think Garrett Cole, I'm not going to bet it, but I think Garrett Cole could very well win the Cy Young this year. So I, I still think this is a team that has a really high ceiling, very high floor as well. I, I still think they're definitely a World Series contender. Did, did you bet anybody yet for the like any like awards at all? Or do you not get involved there? I, you know what? It's so hard because you, you're kind of gambling on health. You know, and, and that's something that I just I don't really like to do. I'd rather kind of have my bankroll liquid to bet day by day mm-hmm. instead of have a lot of things tied up. I've played five win totals so far. I may add a sixth or a seventh before we get to opening day here on Thursday. Uh, but for me, I think the awards markets, there's just there's too much volatility. And a lot of times you're going to get a better price at some point during the season anyway. Yes, you are. Mm-hmm. If you track this stuff, because most books will post it throughout the entire year uh, for the rookie of the year, the Cy Young, the MVP, certainly. But what about, and by the way, division prices too. I mm-hmm. mean, when you pay attention to the strength of schedule and you notice that, I mean, Paul, you called the Braves winning streak last year when they went on a huge tear uh, and they kind of, you know, eliminated that number against the Mets. There was a year, a couple of years ago, you probably didn't remember this because you're a Guardians fan, where was it the Twins who had a big lead? Yeah. Twins had a huge lead went from in the division. from three games like that. Just like that. because mm-hmm. But you can tell that the upcoming yeah. schedule for the Guardians, it was like, well, they're going to win a lot of these games potentially. And because of the huge lead, you could get a gigantic number on the Guardians, I think at the time the Indians, to win their division. If you pay attention to that stuff all the time, things are changing like that. So Yeah, they good. had that 22-game winning streak that, that one year. And, yeah. and look, I mean, Paulie had a great point about the Braves last year. I mean, you know, they were running into such a soft part of the schedule. I think they won like 14 in a row or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. That was definitely the buy sign for them, absolutely. And, and you will find those throughout the course of the season. This year is going to be interesting, too, because the schedule has changed. So instead yeah. of playing 19 games against every division yeah. opponent, you play 13, yeah. which will kind of help some teams a lot more than others. Okay, we'll continue with Adam Burke uh, up next here on Follow the Money. It's VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Again, he put together the great betting guide that you can get from Major League Baseball. I want to ask him keys to betting baseball games on a, on a daily basis because you can spend hours on fan graphs, baseball savant, other spots, right, to check out these numbers. Which numbers do we need to pay attention to every single day when betting baseball? Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people. In an unscripted, unvarnished way, is getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine, And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Follow the Money on VSEN. Great job by Adam Burke. We're talking about the guide. Get it. Available now. Futures, team previews, best bets. Steve Mackinan has power ratings. Adam breaks down how the new rules will impact bettors. We'll talk about that coming up. Whether you bet baseball every day or looking for futures, the betting guide has it all. Sign up today. Get full access for 30 days to VEASAN. Everything we do, $19. VEASAN.com slash subscribe and also VEASAN.com slash picks. Every pick from every host and every guest. Yep. Great betting guide. Um, Adam did a terrific job again. The analysis is superb for all these teams. And uh, you also wrote about the rules. And I wanted to ask you about, and I sent this link out yesterday at Mitch Moss Radio on Twitter from vcin.com that you have and, and the guide. Numbers that are very important, the invest metrics that you pay attention to. So my whole thing is you could you could spend, I'm not joking, I don't know, three, four hours handicapping one baseball game if you go to fan graphs and you go and you incorporate some of these others there are so many ways to break down numbers. People don't have that much time. Mm-hmm. So what's the most important, what are the most important numbers to you when you're handicapping baseball on a daily basis? It's going to be a little bit of a cop-out answer because it goes on a case-by-case basis depending on the style of pitcher, right? Is he a strikeout guy? Is he a pitch-to-contact guy, a ground ball guy, fly ball guy? It sort of depends, you know, which stat is most important in a given game based on the pitcher, based on the opposing lineup that he's facing. But There is one thing that's kind of tried and true that you can do. And you look at the difference between ERA and FIP, which is fielding independent pitching, strikeouts, walks, home runs, hit by pitches, things that a pitcher can control basically is what that stat is supposed to be because batted balls are volatile, right? You know, maybe you give up a 110 mile per hour line drive, but it's right at somebody. Mm -hmm. Maybe you give up a 75 mile per hour bleeder and it finds a hole and scores two runs, you know, so balls in play are very volatile. So FIP kind of takes that out of the equation. And a lot of times, if you have a pitcher with a high ERA and a lower FIP, money will come in on that guy because the expectation is positive regression's coming. He's going to get better. He's having bad luck. So you'll see a line move come in on that pitcher on that team. On the flip side, if he's got a low ERA and a high FIP, you'll see money come in against that guy. So that's one way to get ahead of the market if you're kind of betting overnight lines, stuff like that. It's not as cut and dry as it used to be because there are so many other stats and resources out there. Mm -hmm. But that is one way to kind of take a shortcut, basically, to try and get some line value out of the card, looking at ERA and FIP. Left on base percentage, LOB percentage at uh, at Fangraphs is a big one that I look at because that's another metric that indicates luck. You know, you're either stranding a lot of guys or you're not. Mm -hmm. If you're stranding a lot of guys, of course, your numbers will be good. If you're not, your numbers will be bad. Is there some reason why? Is it your fault? Is it your defense's fault? whatever the case may be. So those are some shortcuts I kind of look at with pitchers to sort of narrow my focus a little bit instead of, as you said, spending you know an hour on each of the 15 games. Because I read a morning article, I can't do that. Of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. A bad bit, too, to me, yeah. is big. Uh, batting yeah. average of balls in play. Because... And that will be even bigger this year with the shift ban. Yeah. yeah, okay. So on that note, then, there is a team that you bet the under for their win total specifically because of the rule changes. I can't wait to hear who you bet and why. Yeah, so I bet the under for the San Francisco Giants, under 81 and a half. And this is a tough one because I love Farhan Zaidi. I think he's a brilliant executive. They're a very, very smart team. I like to give smart teams the benefit of the doubt. The problem is the Giants were objectively bad defensively last year. Now they don't even have the shift. They don't look any better defensively, really. They lose a high strikeout starter in Carlos Rodon, who we talked about already. They've got a bunch of ground ball guys in the starting rotation. This is not the year to have a bunch of ground ball guys in the rotation (laughs) because now you can't shift. Not only that, 
you know, a couple of the guys, Logan Webb specifically, right-handed ground ball guy, which means lefties are going to be pulling balls through the hole. So I think that the Giants, you know, offensively, they don't strike me as a team that can benefit as much from the shift ban, but their pitching staff is going to hurt from it. So I took under 81 and a half with them, largely because I just don't think that they're set up for the new rules. Good breakdown. Yeah. Interesting. What do you think as a fan of the rule changes and the pitch clock and pickoff rule and bigger bases? I mean, I, I understand, you know, that, that there's a need to try and attract casual fans to Major League Baseball. And I don't know if these are going to have the desired impact that Rob Manfred wants them to have. Certainly the pitch clock has sped up games. There's no question about that. Spring training games used mm-hmm. to take forever. And, you know, they've shaved a good 20, 25 minutes off of those. <clears throat> but, you know, I just... I think it will create some more excitement in terms of stolen bases. The stolen base will come back. Yeah. I mean, it has already. We've seen a 6% increase in successful stolen bases year over year in spring training. We could have upwards of 3,500 stolen base attempts during the regular season, which is a huge increase from last year. Stolen bases are exciting. You know, a lot of times they're bang-bang plays, stuff like that. I don't know, though, that we're going to see as many home runs this year because guys won't be trying to hit for as much power. It's no longer a situation where you go up, there's a left-handed batter, you look to the right side of the infield, and there's three guys over there. You know, now you don't, you don't have to hit it over everybody. You can hit it through everybody. So I think we could see a decrease in home runs this year, which kind of cuts into Manfred's desire to you know, increase excitement a little bit. So you think like the, the only couple of outcomes that we've had over the last couple of years, that's going to go bye-bye now. Basically, where it's a strikeout, home run, and not much else. You know, I think it's possible. I mean, I'll be really curious to see what pitchers do to counteract the shift ban. Because ground ball guys, guys that are 45, 50, 55% ground ball rates, will they kind of change their pitch selection? Will they kind of change the way they attack hitters to try and generate more strikeouts? Well, if they do, does that lead to some of them maybe giving up more home runs? There's so many little nuances that these rule changes will impact, especially from a betting standpoint, that it's going to be hard until we get data that's you know significant enough in sample size, which will probably happen, I would say, mid to late May before we can start making some determinations. But these guys that are 55% ground ball guys, like balls are going to find holes. What, what are you going to do to change it? Sure. So, you know, we could see an increase in strikeouts in that regard, but it's all just, it's speculation. There's so much give and take with all these different rules in play. Is there, a, yeah, oh, go, go ahead, Paul. Go ahead. I was going to say, I had a conversation with a buddy of mine who I think he's going to tread lightly this year betting baseball. Mm-hmm. And that was the whole point of like our discussion. Like, do you enter opening day and maybe the first week or two by treading lightly and not going overboard with how many games you're going to be betting? We had that talk, and he's like, "But then, how long do you wait before the market catches up with it, and you lost your edge?" Right. So, what is your approach to betting baseball games early on? Yeah, that's something that honestly I've been fighting with. You know, in, in the whole time, I mean, I wrote the 30 team previews over at Veasan.com, which aren't in the betting guide, but they are available over at the website for you to check out. That's kind of my thought is like, you know, do, do I do I try to take advantage of probably being more advanced in terms of, you know, the stats and being able to deep dive? Or do I have to kind of hold back a little bit and wait and get stats that actually let me, you know, give me something to analyze? I think it's really hard. One thing I am going to try to do early on in the season, though, I'm going to try to bet a lot more fly ball pitchers than ground ball pitchers because fly balls don't carry in April anyway because of the weather. And ground ball guys, I think, we'll have to we'll have to see what adjustments they make. Fly ball guys don't necessarily have to worry about it. So I'm going to try to probably bet more fly ball guys okay. or bet unders in games with fly ball pitchers early on in the year until everything kind of settles in. I like it. Good angle. Uh, I'm intrigued by the White Sox. What say you? I mean, it was a debacle last year. They thought several players said we were just going to thought we we're going to win the division by double digits, uh, ten games rather. Uh, what do you think of the White Sox if they bounce back? So the White Sox are one of the most interesting teams in baseball to me coming into the year because it was a toxic environment with Tony La Russa yeah. last year. Yeah. And I thought that was a horrific hire to begin with. <laughs> You've got this lineup full of young, brash, confident Latin American players, and you hire a 78-year-old manager in Tony La Russa. It didn't make sense to me. So now that La is gone, and they've kind of had a little bit of a shift in philosophy here, I think this is a team that could actually reach its ultimate ceiling. This is one of the win totals I may add as we go throughout the week here. I wanted to make sure they got to opening day healthy. But one of the other things that they did, not only is the clubhouse going to be a lot better, and they're a little healthier at least now than they have been in past years. So they hired a new hitting coach. 
and he came from the Atlanta Braves. He was an assistant hitting coach for the Atlanta Braves. The Braves, while they strike out a lot, also hit for a lot of power. So last year, you kind of had this contact-based approach for the White Sox with hitting coach Frank Manichino, who hit like 30 homers in in his major league career over (laughs) almost a decade. Now they have a different philosophy. And their assistant hitting coach, Chris Johnson, was quoted as saying, we're not going to the plate to hit singles. So they're going to try and use their power, use some of the guys they have that make violent contact. I like this offense. I think this could be a team. This is about the only team I've entertained from a World Series standpoint because of the price. It was like 35 to 1, 40 to 1. This is about the only team I've entertained as a longer shot for the World Series because they've got a big three in the rotation, and I think they have a lineup now that's going to punish the baseball. So I actually like this White Sox team, but health is always a concern for them. So I think it's kind of, to some degree, a boom or bust type of team, which is why I would think about futures, but I haven't played the win total yet because they could bottom out if they deal with injuries Interesting, okay. As you can tell, Adam is extremely sharp when it comes to well any sport, but baseball. Is this your favorite sport to bet? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, yeah. he's he's awesome, and and that's what you're going to get with the betting guide as well. He did it on his own, and it's spectacular. So uh, we can't thank him enough for coming to the studio today. And make sure you give him a follow on Twitter as well. He is at Skating Tripods. We know it's early. Thank you, sir. We appreciate that. Absolutely. Vison Daily Baseball Bets, new podcast as well. Oh, there you go. Okay. If you miss any of the show today, you can go back and listen on your own time. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or Amazon. How often per week? Uh, Monday through Friday on the podcast. Every single day. Beautiful. There you go. Have a good night tonight. We'll see you tomorrow. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.